like I tell people just to equalize the situation, right? I, I remember my my mom would tell me, Jerry, you know, uh, just don't date black people. Like it's just not worth the headache. You are now listening to the Living Numbers and Vicky Tony Rambles, 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 and the Living Numbers Podcast. This is the Living Numbers Podcast, and this is the place where everyone's interesting if you ask the right questions. I am your host, Tony Rambles, and I have a wonderful guest here for you all today. So Jerry's going to correct me if I'm wrong on any of this information. So we'll just roll. This is based on all of my wonderful findings and research. Here we go. Hailing from Knoxville, Tennessee, he earned his biology degree at Rice University, actually just down the street from me. He also attended pharmacy school at the University of Tennessee in Memphis. He's been teaching leadership workshops since 2012, which inspired him to become a pharmacy manager. He then took it a step further and completed the Coach Rice Leadership Certificate Program in the spring of 2020. Then he founded Adapting Leaders. That is his company, his website, which we'll talk about later. He did this to give clients clarity, confidence, and closure when facing difficult situations. His interests include travel, cooking, playing guitar or piano, and lots of salsa dancing. Skilled listener, great adjuster, and challenge acceptor, I present the Jerry Fu, also known as Jay Fu. Say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Very fun stuff. Was there anything that I that I missed or or that I kind of skipped over a little bit there? No, you did great. The only thing to clarify is that I had started in pharmacy school becoming a pharmacy manager. So it was like being I was already in pharmacy when I, you know, took the leadership course and then da da da. Uh that's that just because people are like, why did he go from you know leadership coaching to a pharmacy manager? So just wanted to clarify that. But everything else was spot on. Thank you so much. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So yeah. we're going to start here with our first number, and I'm going to tell a little story. I'm a mm-hmm. high school teacher, mm-hmm. and our first number here is 63%. Okay. And I think we all know that that is not passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> not a good enough grade there. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes, like, we just look at these grades, right? But there's always, like, a story, like behind these these grades that we get, whether we we worked hard or we didn't work at, at all, or sometimes yeah. situations happen where you might have a student that's awesome, mm-hmm. but they didn't pass, but you didn't know that there were things going on at home, you know, right? Somebody may have mm-hmm. passed away. They were depressed. There's a, a myriad of mm-hmm. issues, right? Yeah. yeah. But your reputation helps you stand your ground because a lot of times with teachers, if someone doesn't pass, the question is why? Why mm. didn't they pass? Mm-hmm. What did you do or what didn't you do to help that student? Mm. Right? That's typically the question, especially I can only speak from my experience. That's high school. So that's nine to 12. And we're so we're mm. talking about 
kids who should know better, who should understand how these things work, right? You've been in school for a while. <laughs> but as you start to explain yourself as a teacher, the one thing that really helps you is your reputation. So people will then stick up for you if you have built this solid foundation of being a teacher that helps kids, that makes sure you put the kids first and that you do everything that you can, mm. right? So yeah. sometimes, right, they'll, they'll pull you on the carpet. They'll get caught into the office and the boss wants to know, hey, what's going on? And you give them your story. And I can't be specific, obviously, but I know I've put the, the processes in place to help me stand my ground if these things were to happen. So yeah. I say all that to say, Jerry, as an Asian American growing up and your expertise now is in conflict resolution and doing things like being able to stand your ground and work through these situations, what did conflict look like for you growing up as an Asian American and having parents that, that came over here from Taiwan, correct? Yeah, good job. Yeah. Yeah. So what did that look like for you? Because I, I know it was very different. You know, I can speak like for minorities, mm -hmm. conflict is a little bit different. We got to think about different things. So go ahead and share some insight there from your childhood. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when, you know, I was preparing for swim lessons and, you know, in the locker shower when white kid starts going, I know Kung Fu, and he starts striking me, you know, making oh, mocking no. like kicks towards me and stuff. And then, you know, other people, you know, they talk slowly to me as if somehow I can't understand English. They're like, are you sure, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? And it's whether they mock the accent because they can't speak English. Or I remember on the playground when this one girl like didn't like having to share part of the playground. So she's like, you know, go back to Japan where you belong. It's like, I was born here. I'm an American citizen. What are you doing? And I'm not this even can Japanese. be the worst, right? <laughs> yeah there are times when it's wonderful and then there's times when it's terrible yes yeah so these are the things you know and my family again just the the nature of just tough it out hey look it's not worth picking this fight we're just going to build this nice life for ourselves and just tread on as few tripwires as we can um mm. you know if you're not in a position to fight it back don't do it and there's times when it is appropriate just to say hey you know what this person has knives and guns possibly. And I really just don't <laughs> want to provoke anything worse. Right. But right. Uh, other times it is. Yeah. There are times when, you know, you're in a position to speak up and you're like, why didn't I, or, you know, that, that witty comeback, you know, shows up six hours later. You're like, why wasn't I ready for this? Oh, that would have been so good. <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll share another example. After we originally from Wisconsin, moved down to Tennessee. And um, I remember there was one, uh, after school afternoons, some friends of mine and I are playing hacky sack, you know, we're just kicking this around. And you know, some of the teachers don't like this. And so if you do it during school hours, they'll confiscate it. But after hours, right, no big deal. Well, at least so we thought, then, you know, these two older white teachers come up to us as if they were going to confiscate it. And we're just trying to plead our case. You know, we're, you know, this after school, why does it matter? You know, we're not causing any problems. I happen to be wearing a t-shirt with some Japanese artwork of two sumo wrestlers sparring. So, right. So their uh -oh. garb is very, you know, very revealing. You know, and one of them notices my shirt, turns to the other, kind of tugs at just, can you believe he would wear this like in school? And I said, what's the problem? It's an ancient Japanese tradition. 
the other says, well, turn your Japanese tradition inside out. And they both laugh and walk off. So this is the kind of thing I'm dealing with, right? And That's again, I'm not, like, I'm not like, oh, I'm this horrible victim of this. You know, on one hand, yeah, I could have gone to the principal. I could have, you know, if I had been more resourceful as a freshman in high school, right? That's just skinny build, trying not to get picked on because I'm already getting picked on, right? Um, and yeah, so these are the things that you have to kind of fight through. So how old were you when that happened? I was like 14 or 15. How, how, what kind of effect did that have on you when, when looking at people like teachers, authority figures, mm-hmm. and just hearing that kind of stuff? Like, how did you, did that change how you felt about, you know, teachers or bosses or, cause I know it's, it's, it's a different dynamic and you're supposed to listen to these people, you're supposed to respect them, but then to hear them turn it around and say something like, they're supposed to be the responsible people and here they go, you know, saying the same things that the kids would say. How did that affect you? I mean, you know, for a kid who is conflict averse, right. You just, you just get mad at the fact that you're just mad. You're ashamed of whatever caused the stress. Right. So it wasn't like, Oh, well, I don't like them, but I also don't like the fact that there are parts of my identity, which are just an easy target for, for mockery or, or condescension. And you know, for a kid who's just struggling to belong, where you're too American for your Taiwanese relatives because your Mandarin isn't good enough. And then you don't fit in here mm. because, you know, all the racial disparities. And, you know, the blessing in disguise is that now there's so many of us. There's a great book called Third Culture Kids that kind of details this phenomenon where you meet people that spend time in Argentina and Singapore and then they end up in the U.S. And they're like, nobody is aware of world politics. Nobody's aware of the other things going on globally. And where do I belong? And then, you know, technology comes along and connects all these people. So, you know, great that the people who don't belong finally found belonging. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it is just in those moments, you're just asking for help. Say, how do I navigate this? Right. How do I engage these teachers that clearly I'm supposed to respect, but I'm not going to condone, you know, their blind spots, their subconscious as a human being that clearly keeps coming out in ugly ways. Yeah, you go, this is this is bullcrap. Okay, but I can't like go around punching people. I can't <laughs> yeah. hit adults. I'm taught yeah. to be respectful. So like, mm-hmm. where is my my sense of, of protection? You know, who's mm-hmm. going to help me? So yeah. did you have someone back then that would champion you in these situations? Not just say, oh, it's going to be okay. But is there someone that fought for you one time or two that you can think back to and like, man, that person really had my back and I needed it at that time? Uh, not in high school, unfortunately. And sometimes Dang. that's just the, well, that's just the hard truth, right? I mean, at some point, you ideally people get to a point where they realize, you know what, you know, it's not worth hanging on to this resentment. All I can do now is move forward and and pay the way forward to say, okay, um, how do I turn around and help other people who may encounter this? You know, let's talk about how we can um, move forward with this together so that when another situation comes in, we'll be more prepared for it, right? Because, yeah, you just, forgiveness, believe me, you don't know how to forgive until you've received forgiveness, like, you know, in a situation where you receive and say, oh, you know, because I'll be happy, like, I tell people just to equalize the situation, right? I, I remember my my mom would tell me, Jerry, you know, uh, just don't date Black people, like, it's just not worth the headache, right? She would Whoa. say that. And so, and so there's, 
there's this well because yeah they in their minds right they're like oh you know black people are threatening and you don't want to be threatened and and I, I don't get me wrong like I, I remember where I was instant where a black person said some very disparaging racial things to me so I mean it's bad enough when like white people are doing it it's another when like other minorities are doing it and you're just like okay you know this is this isn't great well we're, yeah so it's it's and it is hard because yeah yeah you you fall into stereotypes because you you pattern them after what your parents think and it's like oh okay okay let me let's back up for a second and say okay how do we do this better and how do I make sure I don't fall into the same traps. So when did it start to turn around? When did you go okay wait a second I've had all these experiences mm-hmm. and I've learned all these different lessons so how can I now kind of push this narrative a different way and really teach people both educate the people who are not making this disparaging remarks and saying these hurtful things and teach the person that has been on the other side of it like yourself to go, okay, wait, you don't have to give these people the power and you can now turn your mindset to shift and be able to grow from it. So where did the turn happen for you? Was it in a specific experience? Was there an aha moment? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, when, uh, I think the first time I really started to, the first step was finding a place where I belong. And at one point I joined this uh, fellowship called Oasis Medical. And I met in the, for the first time in Houston, because when I moved back to Houston 12 years ago, I went to like this church that was dominated by white eggs. There was like a, a section of international people within there, but it took some digging to actually find them. And then I jump into this medical fellowship that is a very international started by a Syrian doctor. And all of a sudden you're seeing all these people, all these different languages and all these different cultural crossing pollination, things like that. And you realize, Oh, wow. You know, I'm just, it just started to become a lot more fascinating. And that is when you realize that this is something I don't have to be ashamed of. And that is something I can share and celebrate with people. Now you have that confidence that, Hey, let me, take you to Chinatown and show you all my favorite stuff to eat. Let me, let's have some fun at the karaoke bar. Cause we all know, yeah, yeah, there's stereotypes there, but it's fun. Like check it out for yourself, right? Immerse them in what, what makes you excited about your culture. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm amazed at how many like football players, you know, will do cosplay like anime conferences now. <laughs> and like before it's just like, Oh, you like anime. That's so weird. And now like, well, you know, these big linebackers like it too. And no one, like no one makes fun of them for it. So what happened? Right. Uh, And then once you get comfortable with yourself, right. I think that's when you start to say, Oh, and I mean, I'm at an age where, you know, thankfully I'm not, I I don't have teachers above me that I'm not afraid to stand up to or things like that now, because we're adults, we can challenge each other. So this is the transformation that we're trying to get to. Right. Um, And so the specific conversation I had about racial tension happened at a, a networking event in Houston about this time last year um, around the Asian hate crimes. Um, anyway, so I meet this older white gentleman there and, you know, he asked me, he goes, Hey, you know, so these Asian hate crimes, like, is it really that big a deal? Like, have you experienced anything? And I was, and I had to, you know, on one hand, it's like, okay, you know, on one hand, there is some merit that maybe the media is playing this up because it's for ratings. Um, but you know, in my mind, I'm like, people are dying, dude. Like, this is, no, it's not okay. I mean, but it's almost like, okay, you got to respect the guy for asking and, and yeah, inquiring. Yeah. Cause you know, mm-hmm. before it'd be like, they wouldn't care. And you, yeah, you witnessed yeah. it. Yeah. So I'm sure you're like, okay, the packaging isn't great, but mm-hmm. he opened the discussion up. So yeah. continue. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, no. And so this is, you know, I wish, I hope people have more moments to celebrate this. And I'm not saying this to, you know, pat myself on the back. I'm just, I'm just trying to share this experience so that other people can be inspired by it and have their own. Because basically what happened was this. I said, all right, you know, we'll call him Tim. I'm like, all right, Tim, you know, thanks for asking that. Because it is, you know, people, I'm glad you're curious and you're willing to stretch into uncomfortable territory, especially, you know, being white. I said, asked him, I was like, okay, Tim, can I share something with you? Yeah, sure. So did you know that Houston's Chinatown is built on discrimination? So what do you mean by that? I said, well, at one point, all the city officials saw these Asians as a threat. So they sequestered them in the southwest part of the city. And then even worse, they divide up their district in such a way, they draw it up in such a way that they can't even concentrate all their people into one vote. He goes, oh, that doesn't sound good. It's like, no, it's not. And so have I experienced any, you know, disparaging remarks of physical violence because of this whole like hate crime thing. I'm like, no, and I'm thankful. And there is a bigger system of discrimination that is not okay just because people aren't being directly assaulted. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, oh, I showed him. I'm just like, let me just stretch him just for a second and use mm-hmm. this as a, as a, let me just humbly show some information that may, he may or may not like, but it'll be good for him. Uh, and whether he says, wow, you know, that, Maybe I need to look into this and maybe I can be more of an advocate. Great. If it's just, hey, that was kind of fun and I'm just going to go back to my default. It's his choice. He's an adult. Like I can't make, I can't make people change at the end of the day. So, you know, moments like this where people say, hey, yeah, I want to have that voice too. When, uh, you know, I see something and you want to be able to say, oh, what do you mean by that? Well, no, I was just trying to, you know, I was just kind of making joking. I'm just like, no, no, no. Like let's unpack this. Right. Yeah, not, yeah, I want to be curious. And at the same time, I'm not going to let you off the hook because these are the kind of careless things that normally, right, just kind of slide under that people, conflict diverse people be like, oh, you know what, people, benefit of the doubt. And it's just like, no, now you're just being passive, right? So maybe there's a better way. No, yeah, screw that, Jerry. You got to ask the questions, man, unpack it. And yeah. I'm, I'm one of those kind of people too, because a lot of times people just, they just say stuff. Mm-hmm. They haven't even thought it out. They heard it from a friend or they heard it from a parent, someone in their family. And sometimes it sounds good to them, at least to that person. Yeah. But they had there's no merit behind it at all. And so you get these people, you get people. We I'm pretty sure we have those blind spots, too, where just oh, we we just say it. And then when somebody calls you on it, you go, uh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't necessarily have a, a real answer for you. So I implore you, I encourage you to continue to do that, Jerry, to, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you know this with your expertise is not about necessarily calling people out or being disrespectful, mm-hmm. or putting them on, yeah. on the spots per mm-hmm. se, mm-hmm. but it's to challenge the idea that they have in their head around whatever it is that they just see. If you're going to say it, make sure you can back it up and know why you're saying it. Don't just say stuff. And as a mm-hmm. teacher, and I teach basically language and communication, I'm a speech teacher. Nice. The words that people say, the phrases, I'm like, okay, I'm always listening to those things very specifically. Like, okay, well, you said this, mm-hmm. is that what you mean? Mm. And sometimes I'll go, well, I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. But yeah. keep digging. Keep keep digging to find it. So awesome. This is amazing. So many things coming to mind. But yeah. we're going to jump to our next number. And so right. we're going to dig a little bit more into your expertise with conflict resolution. So sure. our next number is 5 a.m. I had this mm-hmm. flight. Um, yeah. 
I want to say about a month or so ago, something like Mm -hmm. that. And this airline, they didn't actually open up until Mm -hmm. I want to say like 430, but it was a flight at like 530. Oh, yeah. And you know, you got to yeah. get there two hours before at the minimum. And so them not opening up until an hour before is really putting everybody in an uneasy spot. And you could tell everybody's lined up. There's no signage. Nobody knows what's mm-hmm. going on. And I'm talking about is is a long line of people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we, my wife and I and my son that's one years old are at the front. Yeah. And so as people come in, you know, it's, 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 it's societal. You see it. And then people, you, you see people in line, you, you go to the back of the line, you just get in line, right. If there's nowhere else to go. And so you have people coming in and they're kind of just jumping the line. They're kind of doing whatever they want to do. It's like, Hey, wait a second. If something starts to happen, like they need to come to the front of this line first. Like you can't just go and just do whatever you want to. <laughs> we all been here <laughs> since three 30 trying to figure this thing out right there's no signage it's it's super annoying but i saw in that situation that people can be amicable they can be awesome right you can just come in you go okay nothing's open yet a line has started let me just get in line excellent cool everybody wins you find your your place in the circle of life at this point right but once one person bucks the system and goes haywire and starts to do whatever they want. Anarchy ensues. And so I found myself at one point saying, hey, there's a line for a reason. You know, Mm -hmm. I didn't want these people to just come in 10 minutes ago and now they get the service first. Yeah. When all of us have been there for Mm -hmm. a while. So I I take the long way, right, to, to get to this question here is what do you look for before giving out strategies to resolve conflict. So as I'm telling my story, for example, what were the things that you were trying to listen for before you can diagnose the situation and then start to give strategies? Yeah, yeah. The and oh I was like chopping at the bit when you had this because I was like, oh you're gonna love this. Um ask yourself what is the story I'm telling myself about the situation and what do I need to evaluate? Right. Because I'll give a counter example. Also, airport waiting line. Right. People are waiting in line, backed up, you know, things like that. And you see this one lady just, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I have to get to the front. I have to get to the front. And people are like letting her go. And, you know, you can see the frustration. Right. People be like, why is she cutting this line? Why is she? Because, yeah, there's a time and place to break social norms. Usually as a courtesy, we don't. And there's a, a fun dynamic we can unpack in a sequel episode or whatever. But, yeah. So finally, right as she's about to, like, get you know halfway there and she's clearly in a rush and the hazard and then finally this one guy finally has the courage to actually like stop her and say look lady like we've been waiting here a while too what gives you the right to cut and like you know basically it feels disrespectful and she goes i just found out my son shot himself in the head and i'm trying to get there while he's still alive okay you go ahead yeah and then there's like red seas part right and so I was on you. I was like, oh, God, you know, like, I thought this lady was being rude. Right. And had you just taken the curiosity to say, hey, lady, you seem like you're in a real rush. Like, can you tell me what's going on? Oh, yeah. You know, my son shot himself in the head. And, you know, that, oh, well, yeah, of course. Like anyone would understand. Please go. Right. And you didn't have to go through the like the high peak of embarrassment to like come back down and eat some humble pie. Right. It could have just been let me just 
take a closer look at this. Say, hey, like, mm-hmm. just just to ask you, wow, like you seem like you're in a rush. You're cutting the line. Uh, can you tell me what's going on? Like, what's so urgent that you need to cut this line? And that way you can get some more information. And if you don't like their answer, okay, hey, man, look, like I understand you're in a rush. We're all in a rush. That's not urgent. I don't think yeah, that's right. urgent enough. I'm hungry to too. This. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, again, I'm not here to take away from the fact that maybe sometimes that's what people have to do to learn that lesson, right? And maybe we all of us have been through enough situations where, hey, you know what? Let me let me share some of this so that when you come across a similar situation, you can kind of sidestep some of the like skinned knees and you know tripping up that I went through, and you know you can move on to like more important things, and you don't have to have that guilt and go through all that deprogramming. You're like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. Oh, I can't believe it. so. Things like that, right? So, no, I love that question because I was gonna say, oh, yeah, he's gonna love this example. <laughs> It is good because sometimes, not sometimes, most times we don't have the backstory. Like we don't have all of the information. We're not able to even get that information. And so, like you said, you have to ask yourself, okay, what am I going to get from this? Okay. What do I hope to accomplish if I am going to step up and say something? And I use this when I'm thinking about issues maybe in class also uh, with my with my wife which I'm so thankful that we rarely have issues but when something Good. does come up usually it's my fault number one <laughs> number, to that two world. Is, yeah. number two is okay is it is it me like am I the one tripping let me do some self-evaluation mm-hmm. first and if you come to the conclusion that okay it's not me it is something that this other person done, this student done, or my wife has done. Now, okay, how do I go about this, right? Because in school, I'm always thinking de-escalate, de-escalate, de-escalate. You do not want to ramp it up with the kids because now if one kid starts going crazy, now the class is looking at you, now this thing can get out of hand, who knows what their buddy is going to start doing and so it's always de-escalate. We got to bring this thing down. And so I remember a time where I was, there was, in, it was in between classes and it, the bell had rang and these kids were like uh, still kind of just hanging out in the hallway, probably making TikToks or whatever. And I think I say something like, hey, let's, let's get to class. You know, some generic, you know, thing that all the, all the teachers say. And uh, man, I forgot what they said, but man, it took me from zero to 100. And that's honestly really rare for for me. But I said, hey, what did you say? I really felt like my dad when I said that too. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say? So I went around the corner and I escalated the situation in this this instance. Mm -hmm. And so it was a big thing. The kids got sent to ISS. I wasn't wrong they were totally wrong but i was wrong about how i handled the situation especially as the adult the person that's supposed to be the responsible one so what kind of strategies could you give someone and i mean just maybe one or two we don't want to give away all your stuff because i know this is your business but one or two things that you can do right off the bat when conflict starts to happen yeah yeah i mean that's uh 
you know, what I'm willing to give away for free, I'm, I'll share because, yeah, like uh, I have a, a free PDF you can download from my website and we'll, we can officially plug that later. But, you know, so this is this is information that I would have given away anyway. So, you know, happy to do that. Excellent, uh, Jerry. Thank you. Yeah, I think the 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 two things that I'll, I like to say, right, and if you don't have courage, use curiosity instead, right? And so kind of like mm -hmm. to overlay your situation to say, hey, can you, you know, can you, I just need to verify that you know, what I heard is what I heard. Can you tell me a little more? And can you tell me why you said that? It's like, well, no, you know what, you know, can, yeah, you're just trying to, here's the thing, right? People will listen to interrupt and that is the worst mistake they can make, right? Because mm. the wise move is let me listen to everything they have to say without interrupting because the more complete a picture that they're painting for me, now I know how I need to actually respond, right? Instead of, oh, well, no, 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 you're not getting this. And it's like, nope, now you're just going to escalate the situation. So that's what I would say. Hey, like, be genuinely curious about that. Whole thing. Right. And then the other is, um, you know, to say, okay, like, uh, well, here's one of my fun phrases that I use. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you unless I felt like you could handle it. So it's that's a good. compliment. It's a compliment, even as you're challenging them. Right. And here's the thing, guys asterisk with that one if you don't mean it it's gonna fail <laughs> like if you're just saying this to say i this is how i get people to do what i want they're like you know let me know how that works out for you right but to say hey look i know what you're capable of and i'm sad that you're settling for less right and you can say that without and it's not to make you feel guilty or shame them it's just to say Dude, there's a there's a there's a healthy amount of conviction that you can give somebody to say hey look i know what you gave i know what you, what you can do and you know i don't know why uh, you don't want to fulfill that potential, right? Um, and so those are some of the things that come to mind to say, hey, you know, in this situation, how can we handle it a little differently to maybe get the person to uh, see things a little differently? And I'll give a counterexample just for the same thing, right? So um, at this mm -hmm. conference that I was helping out at, uh, we had this group text where, people, you know, the students are going around and being like, hey, we're meeting here tonight, let's, you know, da-da-da. And there's a time for students to plug their chapters in this organization. And at one point, one student writes... I'm not gay, but $20 is $20. And the next morning, <laughs> the executive director and one who's running this meeting comes into us and talks to all the facilitators, which I wouldn't, which I was one. And he was like, yeah, I'm going to have to pull her aside and send her home. Like, that's just unacceptable. And even worse was when some of the facilitators just like, I think you're, I, I still think that's too kind. And I was like, wait a second, guys. But can we just back up for just for a second? Yeah. Because we're talking about, we're teaching like this a leadership conference, so we're teaching curiosity, we're teaching uh, integrity, we're teaching not just integrity moral-wise, but structurally and relational mm -hmm. integrity. You know, what if you took the person who put the offending, who made the offending statement and like had her address the students who were offended by that statement? Yes. You know, was It's a that, teaching moment now. Yeah, we can use yeah. this. Yeah, like if you sent her home, you're basically like saying that everything we're teaching you this week doesn't matter because you mm -hmm. stepped over this secret line and we all know that's unacceptable. And the only way to get you to think about what you're doing is to just cut you off from all this useful material. Instead of saying, okay, if we're teaching this material, how can we address a situation that's consistent with what we're teaching you, right? Because, you know, like you said, right? You're just like, well, you know, I was right and justified, but I felt like, you know, my message didn't go across poorly or maybe they, they won't take away the lessons I hope that they would learn from this. And so, yeah, again, we don't have to keep making that mistake, right? Maybe 
what happened what happened with that student oh so how did they, the- didn't tell, they didn't tell me <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> like it was just like I'm, and i told them i was just like look executive director you all know me an explanation you're, you're running this meeting you run how you feel like you need to if you still feel like well jerry that's a nice idea and i'm still going to send her home you know i no skin off my back i'm not going to take that personal right i am sad if that's what they ended up doing but again um, I, I know, I also know my place to be like, no, man, you got to fight for this. It's like, okay, well, mm. this is still like, eh, not this fight. This is not the one. No, this I mean, I, 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 I stuck up for it, but again, I knew it was also his decision. So he could easily just override me. And I was, I wasn't going to be like, no, because who am I going to go? Like, there's no one he answers to and definitely not me. So, yeah. Yeah. That's where you got to choose your battles. There's also a, a time and a place you have to know your position, I mean, my sister was talking about this, and I think I talked about it on another episode where you go, this is not really the battle that I can fight. And this is not, I'm not the boss here. I can make suggestions if if there is an, an avenue to do that. But otherwise, you, you just got to kind of fall in line. If, if it's not egregious enough in this situation, is it doesn't involve you in that way. So you go, hey, maybe we could do this, but you know, you guys can... You can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's and that's uh, that's a case by case thing, right? It's uh, you know we're here to say, okay, if you're gonna if there's gonna be physical violence involved, yeah, probably not the best time to to stand up for that. Wait until you're in a safe space and then around advocates and make sure that either you meet in a neutral place or you know there's it's daytime <laughs> things like that, right? Where things are less likely to happen. Uh, make sure, yeah, the environment is uh, very civil and things like that. And at the same time, right, you're just like, okay, now, like, uh, you know, I've stretched you as far as I can. And, you know, if this is, if we're just not going to talk about this anymore in order to just be civil with the relationship, sure, we'll call it truce and, you know, that's it. And, and you know, yeah, what's it worth to you, right? Is this a relationship worth staying in, even if it drives you nuts sometimes? Yeah, okay. And uh, other times it's just like, you know what, uh, this friendship, I feel like I've, they're dragging me down and I've given them feedback and like how we can stop and they're still not being receptive. Okay. Maybe it just needs to stop. So, yeah. And when talking about relationships, mm-hmm. there's always, I mean, there's levels to it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really, I don't believe in cutting people off, off most of the time. I typically feel like at the very least I can call you every once in a while and just say, hello, you know, doing all right. Okay, cool. Excellent. I'm glad you're still alive. And uh, I'll call you next year on your birthday. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I always feel like when these people do start to have these realizations, right, mm-hmm. when they do want to get better, mm-hmm. they need to have somebody around that they can that they can talk to, that they can bounce ideas off of. And if you've completely cut these people off, then now where do they go to get that? Yeah, fair. And so... Yeah, I can't talk to you every day. I can't talk to you every week. I can't even talk to you every month. But I can call you every once in a while just to make sure that you're okay, just to kind of check and see where you are. And then, uh, you know, we kind of see what happens going down the road. But in relationships, man, it's so fluid. We're all always growing and learning and sometimes getting better and sometimes getting worse, depending on, yeah. you know, where you are in life. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a a relationship that you had to just like say you know what this isn't really working i'm trying all my conflict resolution stuff they don't care Mm -hmm. and i just gotta move on without them have you had any relationships like i mean we all have but have you any that you can share sure i mean the the most 
poignant and toughest example is when I had the Victor roommate, actually. That was really hard. Um, uh-huh. Because rarely, I mean, and again, people can say, well, Jerry, you're a hypocrite if you, you know, da, da, da. Because there are times when I just move on and just like, I don't know, I'm a, book, I don't know, I'm a goodbye. I use my time how I want. And, you know, there were some people that were like that. They were just like, they, they just want to feel sorry for themselves because it's like God didn't give them a wife by the time that they were 30. And you're just like, okay, you know, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't helpful. <laughs> so I just need to, I just need to let that trip. And, you know, again, sometimes that's the best thing because you don't necessarily need to go to the extent of let's meet over coffee i'm breaking up with you you know sorry like (laughs) that's like yeah that's you want ideally you give that courtesy but if not no one's no one no one's going to call you on it you're not going to get arrested or anything like that oh you're a terrible person it's like yeah um, I've been ghosted yeah. before, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's one thing to ghost if you like set something up and then and stop. It's another if you just like just like I'm just going to stop calling this person. No one, you don't have to announce to them. Oh, by the way, I'm going to stop calling you. Like I'm going to block your number. By the way, we're done. Bye. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw that grenade over your shoulder. Ah, see ya. Um, no, so this guy it was hard because you know when he first moved in, he was a good roommate. Like his. He was a flight attendant, you know, so his checks came in at a weird rhythm, but they they cleared. And so, you know, that was fine. But then he went through a weird job transition and then just the checks started getting late or they bounced. And I was like, okay, like this, I need a, I, he was living month to month. And so when I got a new roommate, I was like, okay, like if anyone moving forward who's living here has to sign a lease. And then, you know, he defaulted on his lease. And that was, that was hard because I know like the day that he officially defaulted, went two months without rent and i was just like oh you know and then he just basically kind of stayed in his room until dared me to actually enforce the terms of the lease because at one point i told him okay you can't use the garage anymore and then he's like oh i'm so they killed my other room he's like oh i'm so thankful jerry hasn't done anything else like i can do this and i'm just like he knows like he knows and you know and and then my friends had to remind me they're just like jerry look like if he's in violation of his lease, you have the authority to call the cops and have them escorted off your property for trespassing. And I was like, okay, well, let's, okay, let's do an ultimatum, say, okay, this is what she's going to take. And then, you know, he begged for a seven day extension and then, you know, still didn't happen. And then he's like, I guess he felt like as long as Jerry wants the money, as long as I give him vague promises about how hard I'm trying, like, mm. surely he'll keep giving me rope. And at one point, I just basically said, okay, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. Um, you know, I've given you every extension you've asked for, you still haven't shown anything. So if you do get money, like you say you're working on, please use it towards uh, your next place of residence. And only then did he say, you know what, I have no leverage anymore. So that's when we started moving out. And it was hard because the last day when he finally moved everything out, he's just like, you know, here's the keys, help I make you proud of me again. I was like, you know, my mind, I'm like, that's cute. Get out! <laughs> yeah, get out. We're done. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. say no. Yeah. No matter yeah, what clips or witty things, yeah. you, we're done. We're done. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. yeah, Like it's, <laughs> and it was hard because it was just like I wanted to say, you know, pay me back the money you owe me, and maybe I'll take you seriously, right? And uh, I, I, you have to. If I'm going to set myself apart from other people who have fired me or been in situations like that. I was just like, okay, let me show him dignity even if I don't think he deserves it and just say, hey, okay, well, you know, thanks and goodbye, All right? Uh, no one needs cheap shots. Like we like them and we love them in movies and stuff, but there's a reason they're in movies and not in real life. So yeah, show this guy some grace because grace is what we, is always unfair until you need some. And, uh, you know, I got that from Bob Goff, guys. I'm not that, I'm not that profound, <laughs> but <laughs> 
but that's the idea, right? It's like, okay, even in hard situations, how can I show grace and dignity to this person? Even if I, especially, it's not about whether they deserve it. It's just, hey, it's a tough situation. Let's move on. Goodbye. That's it. But at some point, grace runs out, right? Yeah. You got to pay yeah, the piper. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, that's part of it. It's just, been- hey, yeah, let me show him grace as I show him the way out, right? It's just, hey, I'm not going to be snide or insulting to you. Just, you know, our time has run up. There have been tons of, of there's been a lot of grace, I'll mm-hmm. say, uh, over the past few years with everything that's happened, you know, with people mm-hmm. and mental health and all of this stuff. But like yeah. you said, like when you talk to your buddies and you start to realize and they just tell you like, dude, this guy's taking advantage of you. He's taking advantage of all that grace that you're giving. You got to you got to know like where the line is, you know, again. I can reference teachers where you go, well, you know, you give that extension, you push the deadline, but at some point, Hey, it's due. I got to get my grades in report Mm -hmm. cards got to come out. I can't continue to extend everything and push back on my deadline. So, Hey man, grace is, is, is awesome. Uh, but it's definitely got to run out at some point. If we want to continue to make the world go around at a reasonable pace. So enough with all of that hard stuff, conflict yeah. and how things yeah. can be difficult. Mm-hmm. Our next number here is the 1900s. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what's coming, Jerry. <laughs> so yeah. salsa, mm-hmm. the dance moves, yes. uh, originated in Latin America and has evolved over time with influences from culture such as Cuba, Los Angeles, New York, and Puerto Rico. I don't know if you all know this, but Mr. Fu here is an exquisite salsa dancer. <laughs> so, Jerry, talk about how you got into salsa and all of the other creative things you do. Oh, man, it's such a beautiful story because it's nothing. I, it's a hobby I never would have picked for myself, but uh, it's just such consume my life now. And in the same way, this parallel of this leadership development where before I just said, oh, I'll never be good at it. And then, you know, the blessing is that sometimes you just don't know when to quit. And the more you keep doing something, all of a sudden you're like, huh, I actually like went through the first six months and actually kind of got good at this. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so at my freshman year at Rice, yeah, they had a salsa social. The teachers were terrible. So that doesn't help. Right. Like if you have bad teachers, you're going to think you're terrible at something and then you never want to touch it again. <laughs> so shout out to good teachers. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I left it alone until I got to pharmacy school and then my friends who were multicultural were like, you got to give another chance. And by now, my third year in school, I said, you know, I, yeah, I, you know, my grades are solidified to a point where I can spend a couple nights out and not worry about losing my grades too much. So let me take some real lessons. Got better at it and started to get to a point where I could actually enjoy it. Um, right as I got good at it, where I felt alive dancing, uh, I graduated and moved to a city that had the salsa dancing. So, you know, living ah. in Knoxville, yeah, living in Knoxville for a couple of years and I just went dormant, got rusty, lacked confidence, but I missed it. And so it's just really unproductive cycle. Uh, I moved back to Houston 12 years ago and all my initial friends are into two-stepping. So, okay, I guess I'm going to learn how to country dance, which was, uh, which is a wonderful detour. But I tell people, they're like, well, so what got you back into salsa dancing? I'm just like, well, you know, I go to socials here and there. There'll be glimpses of what I was capable of. But I tell people, 2014, a Venezuelan friend invites me to um, a free salsa dancing event at the downtown aquarium. And I'm saying, I'm being very specific because Tony knows the city. So he knows what I'm talking about. 
and uh, goes to downtown aquarium on Bagby. And I kid you not, Tony, one skilled, pretty blonde. And I'm like, I got to dance with her. I'm going to bring my A game. I'm in flow. I'm losing track of time. I am all unlocking all these moves. I forgot that I'd had. I finished the dance and I just say, oh my gosh, why did I stay away from this for so long? And then I'm like, all right, I'm back. And then, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Convincing Hispanic women I actually know what I'm doing. Just, it's going to be an uphill battle for like the rest of my life. But uh, for the ones that do give me a chance and, you know, you there are fun strategies to like show, increase your chances of a yes. And once they've seen you dance, they're like, okay, maybe this guy actually knows what he's doing. Um, but yeah, it's just such a great journey because along that same path, you know, when I moved out of the house from where my family was, all of a sudden I had to cook for myself because my mom used to cook for me and she said, you should learn how to cook. And I said, yeah, I should learn how to cook. And then I'll go watch TV and not do it. And so it wasn't until you have to put yourself in that environment where you have to grow, right? It's like trying to, I see my friends trying to teach their kids foreign languages and they keep responding in English. And it's just like, yeah, just ship them to Mexico for six months and make them grow because of, unless they like are forced to speak Spanish in order to get their point across, they're going to default to English because we are always going to default to what's comfortable. So yeah, uh, also cooking and dancing and music. Um, yeah, like I, I've, you know, my parents were kind enough to spend a lot of money on piano lessons growing up, but I, I didn't appreciate it. But until I figured out Science by Ear, like Bohemian Rhapsody or Casey and Jojo, all of a sudden mm-hmm. now I'm playing because I like to play and not because my parents are like, we got to make our kid awesome and show us uh, that we're awesome parents because we made our kids smart and talented. You know? Man, I spent some time <laughs> in China teaching English for a year. Beautiful. And those are the stories that I would hear from kids like they would go to school and then after school, they would have like three or four more hours of just either going to English classes or piano classes or dance lessons or violin. There was always something. And then the the adults, like the people that I worked with, they would go, our parents, they just want to like show us off. Like, hey, look how awesome my kid is. I'm like, ah, oh, man. I mean, I'm we do the same stuff in America, you know, in the black homes, you know, we compare brothers and sisters and cousins. So-and-so is doing this, so-and-so is doing that. And so that's kind of sucks for the kids, (laughs) but sometimes, sometimes you get older and you go, dang, I'm glad I did, you know, take the piano, learn how to cook or whatever it was. So Mm -hmm. what's your favorite thing to play? Like instruments or, um, instrument in Vienna. I know you talked about piano. Do you play other things too? Uh, so I grew up playing piano and violin. Uh, I got mm-hmm. too tall for my violin, so that stopped. Uh, and then I picked up like basic rhythm acoustic guitar uh, mm-hmm. in college. Some friends were kind enough to teach me. And so, yeah, I can do some basic chords. And so the funny thing with like, you learn four or five chords, which all pop songs use. And all of a sudden you think you're God because you're like, oh my gosh, I can sing this and that and this. And, uh, and so, yeah, mainly I focus on piano and, and guitar now, like if I'm leading worship for a church or something, or, you know, if someone has a key a piano at their house and, you know, it's a party and it's like, it's fun to play name that tune. Um, oh yeah. I, at one point, I, a friend of mine encouraged me to try to get into wedding gigs, but I haven't, I haven't focused my business on that yet. So yeah, we'll see. Man, like you said, you have to continue to practice those things though, oh, like, yeah. or you can, or you could get rusty. Like if I were to pick this thing up right now, oh man, mm-hmm. I'm so rusty because I'd spent this entire summer just pouring all of my time into my podcast. Yeah. But 
before the last couple of summers, man, my summer would be totally, I'd be playing, you know, every morning out, that's how I wake up and, you know, my worship songs and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And I try to figure out where the chords were and, and where the notes and all that great stuff. But man, mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta keep playing or, yeah. or it's kind of tough or it's kind of tough. Mm-hmm. So do you use like piano and salsa dance and do you use these outlets as, as de-stressors? I know mental health is a, is a huge thing right now. So mm-hmm. how do those things play into that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, more so salsa dancing than music. Um, that was a tough thing to admit about myself where if you asked me to choose between music and salsa dancing, I'm like salsa dancing pretty much every time. Maybe I'll, I'll break script and do music every once in a while. Um, that's why I, I will sign up to do worship stuff because I know it forces me from keeping, uh, mm. it forces me to stay kind of sharp on it. Uh, but yeah, like salsa dancing, like when the pandemic hit and all the dancing had to be put on hold, I was I was at a breaking point. And when I heard social like underground movement was starting to happen, I'm like, I'm gonna go. And they're like, Are you like are you crazy? I'm just like, this is the the need is greater for mental health as opposed to physical health at this point. And I mean, again, I'm not trying to be a role model for anybody in this case. It's just you know like if you know your body will tell you what it needs and if your body needs to say hey you know because i had a roommate you know at one point it was funny when the pandemic hit and he's just like COVID's not that bad i want to go to church and i'm just like are you listening to yourself (laughs) (laughs) but i mean i couldn't fault his his need for community right we all wanted this connection that zoom is a nice substitute but it's not or it's a supplement but not an adequate substitute and right. so, yeah, I mean, yeah, dancing. Oh, God, like it's I almost have to date or marry another dancer because as soon if I date someone who's won't let me go dancing, I'm like, no, I should marry you. <laughs> so. That's what my dad did. He really got really into like doing hustles and two steps. And this this is in Detroit. Nice. And so he met his now wife yeah. doing all those same things. So it's not like. Oh, I'm going out dancing and she's opposed. They're going out dancing together. So beautiful. Before we wrap this up, Jerry, yeah. And this has been an amazing interview. I want to ask you my three what's that I ask every guest that I have on. All right, so the it. first one mm-hmm. is what's an opinion inside or outside of your field mm-hmm. that will be considered unpopular? You're vaccinated. All of you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Next, what? If you weren't in pharmacy or doing your leadership stuff mm-hmm. with your wonderful website, uh, what field would you be in? Man, uh, yeah, I, I did this exercise as part of a designing your life, you know, Odyssey thing for those of you familiar with that, but yeah, they ask you to choose three different professions and then research them. And so I said, yeah, you know what? I would love to open up a dance studio, actually, and just be a dance instructor and just do that. I think it's just fun. That's where the passion is. Might as well go for it, right? Yeah. Okay, last one. Mm-hmm. And I think you are more than qualified to speak to this one, is what advice would you give to someone in high school? So if I were to take this part of our episode, Back to my classroom, what would you be able to say, Jerry, to my students, ages ninth grade to 12th grade, all crazy teenagers? Oh, man. 
Yeah, that's oh, <laughs> no, I, I love this. Um, evaluate what your what your current plans are leading you toward, and ask why you would be happy with that. Mm. Because, like, what was the trajectory of my life based on Asian definitions of success? Get married, have a career, have some kids in this, you know, and live in the suburbs, you know, start a family, have a career, right? And, and so, and to what end? So your kids can get married, start a family, have a career. And to what end? So that their kids can go to school, have a career, start a family. And it's like, okay, <laughs> what if there is a better, I mean, if you want that, sure, I'm not here to judge. Yeah. And at the same time, when the reasons for wanting that are, you know, fewer and far between now, um, you know, what do you want to do instead? Right. So that's what I would want to, I would love to have that conversation with them and just to see what they would say, because, right. You have Barack Obama being like, black people need to aspire to more than being ballers and rappers. Right. And it's like, okay, well, (laughs) when when the president says that, geez, (laughs) um, Things like that, right? I think, yeah, just evaluating your definition of success and, you know, what would make it meaningful for you and to realize that, yeah, yeah, your parents mean well for you. They want you to have stability and a, you know, nice, reliable job. And that's great. And, you know, what if there was more to life than than the stability they wanted for you? 100% challenge it again. Like you said, challenge the ideas. Okay, that's what you want. Why? Why is that? Have you you even asked yourself why? Or is that something that... You heard from your parents, you heard from your grandparents, your cousins, aunt, uncles, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, Jerry, before we leave, I want yeah. you to tell people where can they find you? Where can they find your services, social media, website, business? Push it all out there for the listeners. Sure, sure. Yeah, check out uh, the free guide you can download with the framework on how to handle difficult conversations. Go to www.adaptingleaders.com forward slash guide. Um, otherwise the website adaptingleaders.com, you can schedule a complimentary 30 minute call. Tell me what you're working on. Check out the free blog where I share, you know, other podcasts or life hacks or, uh, you know, summaries of interesting leadership literature. And yeah, um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, but really, uh, the best place to go for all the goodies, even if you never hire me is www.adaptingleaders.com. All right, everyone. I think, I think that's it. I mean, that was amazing. You gave so much great insight into your life and the things that you do and also salsa dancing. So everybody get out there and try something, have fun. Ask yourself why. So signing off for Jerry Fu, also known as Jay Fu. I really like that nickname. I am your host, Tony Rambles. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, download, follow, all of that great stuff. And I will see you all in the next round.